Hello and welcome to the Global Reinsurance and Insurance Download, or GRID for short. I'm Charlie Thomas. The GRID is a podcast powered by Eames Partnership, in which some of the world's top insurance and reinsurance executives discuss the secrets of their success. In this episode, our focus is funding, or more specifically, finding the right sort of funding to aid your company's growth. To get some much more long-term minded investors that can deploy capital and do it well, and you get the shorter-term investors that come in and have a you know, relatively medium-term exit in mind. So I think that the inflow of capital from particularly these alternative channels will continue to rise. To go another way to look at it, you've seen in the U.S. this explosion of SPACs looking for looking for teams and not so much on startup basis, but to buy early, early age companies. As a former journalist in the reinsurance and insurance specialty space for a number of years, there were times where it felt all I ever wrote about was the never ending wall of capital that kept sweeping into our industry. So I wanted to start off by asking our panel of executives, given the extent of supply, is it easier or harder to find the right funding partner today? We're going to start off with Axis Re CEO, Steve Aurora. You know, most market sources will say we have $650 billion of capital in the reinsurance industry. That's substantial, and it's been growing. And both sources, traditional and alternative capital, have been growing to make up that $650 billion. Now, that is against the backdrop of really poor results over the last five years and trends that you can say might be working against us in terms of climate. Just the uncertainty is very high, both on the casualty side, on the short tail side. So all of that um, capital has, um, you know, kind of led itself to the reinsurance industry not being able to break through from what's a, a more healthier environment, but kind of just flirting with rate adequacy, in our opinion. And so that means over the near term, there's a risk that the reinsurance sector um, remains a commodity in most most spaces. So um, we all like the fact that the market conditions are improving, they're healthier, it should be a more profitable equation. But based on the experience that we had in the last four or five years, you would expect it to be uh, much more compelling than it is right now. And one of the factors is, is capital. Um, now, I think a strongly capital, capitalized market is a good thing. So I don't want to be misleading because what the, the worst outcome would be is that if society or communities have face a big issue, that the private sector is not equipped to solve those problems, that we would have to be rely on the public sector. And so I think that um, is a very, very good thing. It's just the reality is that it couldn't can commoditize our business. Here's Mamoon Raja, Archery CEO, with his take. I think capital is plentiful. Um, Bain and company called it the age of superabundant capital. Um, and with just a lot more capital comes a lot more choice. Uh, it comes with many different forms, many different sources and geographies. And I think the right capital for any one company is going to be different than others. Uh, generally speaking, I think the right capital is capital that's invested time in understanding 
you know, the mission of the company and where the team is looking to go. And it becomes symbiotic. The more you understand the business, the more you can contribute to its success. And so anyone that does invest time becomes more right for any one company than the other. Rachel Conran, RSA Luxembourg CEO, had a slightly different view. I, I think it's it's always been difficult to find the right funding partner. I, th- I think frequently the conflict is if you've got a business that comes good but needs a long-term investment horizon, um, subsea cables is a good area in marine that you can look at. And it's got about an eight-year investment horizon because there's a lot of subrogation. So you get these very heavy impacts on the balance sheet and then you it comes good. And I think it's always important and it remains important to, to match those two. If you've got a capital investor that wants short-term gains, you have to have a business model that produces short-term gains. Um, and if you've got a long-term investor, you know, we, we don't all have a Berkshire Hathaway behind us. Um, but, you know, you can do very different things on a balance sheet with a long-term investment strategy than you can with a shorter. And, and the, the key is getting the two to match. And, and really being honest about those those two two assumptions. So I think it remains difficult to, to, to join that. And I think it's frequently where business models fail. Anne-Marie Syndicate CEO Siobhan Bader also thought it was harder to find the right funding partner amid all the noise. Her firm is currently going through the process of launching an ENS carrier. And after spending 18 months or so talking to private equity firms, they have elected to go down the private investor route instead as they found them to be more, to use her words, sympathetic to the company's objective. And they haven't put a finite timeline on their results. You know, we have a lot of confidence in our business model. So we're not looking to exit our space and capitalize on what we've done to date. We actually feel that we can do more. And as a result, we're in the process of building out three companies. So we have Amri, which is the MGA. We're going to build out ASI, which is going to be the ENS carrier. And we've built out a claims company, Amstar Claims. And all these companies are completely complementary. I think that, you know, private equity take very kind of prescribed views about how companies should operate. And that's their choice. But if you accept their funding, you know, that's what you're obligated to do. And I haven't worked this hard to kind of hand over the control of my company to a third party that is investing in me. The market is hard right now, but your business has to be able to survive both cycles. It has to be able to survive the hard cycle and it has to be able to survive the soft cycle. We started our business in a soft cycle, and so now we are really experiencing even increased growth and better results. But I think it's important for companies to be able to have the quality to withstand both. I think the idea that private equity can pour money into this industry and uh, achieve these great results and then exit it, I think that's bad for the client, it's bad for the customer, and I think it's bad for the industry. You know, I have to say, if I'm really honest, I'm a little bit cynical about private equity. Um, You know, they have their place. But really, is it good for the industry to have all this money flooding in and then expecting to get really big payouts within a three to five year time horizon? I don't really think that's good for the bottom line consumer or, or corporate entity that is looking for insurance you know, the commercial entity that's looking for insurance. Insurance is about stability and longevity. And it's about serving your 
customer or your client properly and not wanting to cut and run. Private equity was the right choice for others, however. Greg Hendricks, CEO of Vantage, and his chairman, Dinos Iordano, found their partners relatively quickly after deciding to launch their startup. Here's Greg with how he and Dinos approached their funding question. So I think to, to me, the, the, the thought on this is, you know, really think deeply about what you want to build and describe that first before you go out and seek capital, before you go out and write the numbers business plan and start to have conversations with people about that. And then together, after there's an alignment of interest, start to build capital. And that could be that could be pension money, that could be sovereign wealth money, that could be private equity money. And we've even seen in this round straight to IPO, right? So straight into the public markets. So you, you can see there's just an array of, of, of ways to go. You have to have, though, I think at the core of it to get any money, you have to have a, a good idea and be viewed as a sound set of leadership and a, and a sound plan. Um, but to me, this the, the, it is... With a good idea and a good set of people, you can get access to capital in those in a wide variety of sources. That variety becomes more important the longer your business runs. Here's Greg again explaining the need for different sorts of capital at different points in the corporate journey. I'm a firm believer the funding is going to change over time. Um, you know, our example is 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 a good one. It's two private equity firms that have known both Dinos and myself and members of the management team for a long time. They were in investments where I started working at MidOcean. They were in investments at Arch. They were in those from about seven years. Um, but there's, there's, there's no urgency to change our source of capital. Um, but as things mature, you sit down and you do what you do as a good stakeholder and a good management team is what, what's the best form of capital for us for the next five to 10 years as opposed to the last five to 10 years. And that will pivot over time. So I, I think the sources of capital change. They change and they change uh, in ways impacted by experience. And you can see that in the ILS space where some of the capital is contracted, but the core group of pension funds interested in tail risk and cap bottom form has come back in, in a big way. And so I think it, it morphs all the time as you as you move through the cycles. Greg's views probably chime with those of Kenrick Law, regional CEO at Alliance Re, who previously worked on a startup in Singapore. Finding startup finance partners is easy, he argues, but it's more difficult to find the right shareholders or capacity provider who can fully understand your business, your models, and fully align with your interest in terms of your business strategy. Um, so different shareholders might have slightly different um, motivation, put it this way, investment target, and also in terms of the investment horizon, right? So some would like to commit to three or four years, some would like to commit to 10 years and so on. So um, so, um, so coming back to what I mentioned before, so finding somebody who would understand your business model and be aligned with your interests, I think that that it's more challenging than, than finding the money out there. The need for alignment was also stressed by Karen Graves, Inigo's COO. Here she is to explain a bit more. What I would say about capital and, and funding is that I think it's a partnership. So, I've you know if you have um, if you find business partners that that want to you know fund your startup, fund your initiatives and your ideas, then it should be a, a partnership. Um, and that you can both see where you're going in terms of building something. I think for me, that's really important. It's not just an exchange of of, of cash. Uh, I think there needs to be an engagement and an excitement about what you're building together. Um, and so while you've got those other factors in play around, 
you know, the market, um, the business plan, the new op- op- being able to come in with no legacy and take take some opportunities, um, and it, it, great timing. You know, the, the partners that you engage with, you need you need to have a, a commonality and 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 not be there for five minutes. You know, have a genuine partnership. I think that's when that's when I think you can make a business a success because you're all working for the same thing. So here's a question for you. Does one sort of capital lend itself over another when it comes to the hard market conditions and the need to deploy faster? Here's Mamoon Raja. Not necessarily. I think this market is showing us that various forms of capital can come in and serve different needs, um, whether it's in the traditional trade names or whether it's on the ILS uh, side of things, you get some much more long-term uh, minded investors that can deploy capital and do it well. And you get the shorter term investors, particularly aligned with some of the new co's that come in and have a, you know, relatively medium term exit in mind and both can equally uh, serve a need. Um, and for our industry, the fact that we can tap in and attract various forms of capital is, is a positive. Vantage CEO Greg Hendrick also highlighted the variety of funding options available to those wanting to come to market fast. Look, whenever you're doing a round of new companies, private equity is a fast way to go. They're, they're, they're able to uh, operate in large uh, amounts and they're able to move quickly and make decisions quickly. But well, as we saw, there was a, a, one of the new coasts went straight to IPO. And so you, you could say, well, that's that's another way to, to go, another way to look at it. You've seen in the U.S. this explosion of SPACs looking for looking for teams and not so much on startup basis, but to buy early, early, early age companies. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think there's any. I think it's just a, to me, it's a different time with a lot of capital available to be put to work, and you're you're trying to find the right match for who you want to work with. Of course, it's not just the external investors considering how best to deploy their capital. It's the internal investors within carriers too, and the varied menu of areas where an FD or a chief investment officer wants to spend that money is in turn leading to a varied menu of capital suppliers. Here's RSA's Rachel Conran to explain. So I think companies themselves are changing how they're they're putting you know their capital to work, and I, and I think increasingly you've you've got a lot of other you know part capital coming in, um, fragmented food chains, um, third party providers not wanting to do every piece um, of that insurance um, intensity, uh, and I think that that's actually quite an interesting one of, of how quickly you come in and out of of hard markets because of that. Many in the market think that the majority of today's capital partners are here to stay. Here's Steve Aurora from Axis Re again. So I think that the inflow of capital um, from particularly these alternative channels will continue to rise. And it's here to stay. And a more attractive interest rate environment will not change the need for diversification um, in what is a fairly substantial asset base and a, a very limited amount today that's been put to work. So I don't see that fundamentally changing. Um, but interest rates and inflation, if you go to the just to the core business, are fundamental macroeconomic factors that have affected insurance since the start. And discounting of cash flows and monitoring, you know, you know, or trending of losses in terms of future losses and inflation, the impacts to your reserve base, you know, et cetera, et cetera, have a, your asset management portfolio. Um, these are the mechanics of the industry. 
Another question for you. How much does the broader macroeconomic picture play into this? Here's Mamoon Raja. Capital is fluid. Capital always finds, in general, in the aggregate and over time, I think it finds the most efficient uh, uses of, 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 so you get the sources of the capital on the one hand, but how people deploy it and, and, and put it to use evolves over time. And in, in a macro environment that we're in today, you know, interest rates are low and therefore, you know, the returns that this business, this industry uh, produces becomes relatively more attractive. Um, you have some inflationary hedges in, in, embedded in some of the inflation sensitive um, lines of business that, that we all undertake. So that's, that's also an interesting uh, perspective for an investor. Um, but by and large, there's always the, you know, the opportunity cost that uh, one has to think about. And I think relatively speaking, our industry today is, is, is in an attractive, uh, you know, return, uh, has some attractive return metrics for, for investors relative to some of the other potential investments that they can be making. Axis Re Steve Aurora believes applying a macro lens to the company's strategy goes beyond just looking at its funding. So as a good underwriter, as a good portfolio manager, macroeconomics play a big role in how you assess your current portfolio that's in force, the current way you view risk, and also uh, the way you want to steer your business for the future. So I would encourage all the underwriters that are listening to don't keep your eye off of macroeconomics. I mean, they're very central to the way we should think about our business. And as we head into a more inflationary market, potentially with an increase to interest rates on the cards in future, will this affect the market's investors? I put that to Vantage's CEO, Greg Hendrick. It affects them on the margin, uh, potentially, but I think there's a core group of investors that, uh, particularly if we're talking about ILS, believe in cat risk as a diversifying asset risk. And so, yeah, they may see an opportunity to trade something uh, a different kind of roughly equivalent risk uh, in the credit markets or, or in the government markets. But in the end, they still want to be able to have a well-diversified portfolio and have that 2 or 3% or 5% allocation to cat risk. So I don't, I don't, I don't think it takes things out altogether, um, but it does potentially shift uh, on the edges a little bit how much people would do. And we saw that in 2007, 2008 with the credit crisis, a lot of the hedge fund money that had come into the cat space for the big returns uh, in 06, 07, pivoted to credit because they had that was their next big cat that had just happened, and they were able to pivot to that. Again, that's all the evolution of uh, of put and take of people coming and going, depending upon what they see the opportunity in the market. I think the main driver of what money shows up to be put to work in the insurance and reinsurance business is around the opportunities that you're generating and the type of returns that you're generating will then dictate whether you're up in the hedge fund, the PE, the public, uh, the, the the pension, the sovereign wealth, you know, all the way down the line. That's all we've got time for in this episode of The Grid. Our thanks to all of our contributors. Make sure you subscribe to the series to ensure you don't miss a single episode. Our final podcast in this series is focusing on technology and how to best future-proof your business. You really don't want to miss this one, so please subscribe to the Global Reinsurance and Insurance Download at your favourite podcast provider. See you then. See you then.